Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We want to start by personally inviting you to church this Sunday. We have two services, the first at 9 a.m., the second at 11 a.m. That 11 a.m. service is live-streamed at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And if you come during that 11 a.m. service, we also have Japanese and Korean translation available. This week, we're completing a two-week series on home improvement, building a home that will last from Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33. Let's begin today's Harvest Time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, half a day, Chris. Uh, Coming back to a text out of Ephesians chapter 5, and I think I said last Sunday that these 12 verses are so packed full of information, and we could spend 12 weeks or more just teaching through what this uh, series of verses has to say about the family. Um, But we're going to try to do it in two weeks. And uh, we had a really great time last Sunday just talking through the, the marriage covenant and God's uh, design for marriage inside the family and its foundational element. And so we're going to continue on that conversation this Sunday, and we'd love to invite you to come. If you didn't get a chance to be with us on Sunday, you could go back online and pick up that first message. You can see it on our website uh, I think it'd be really helpful for you as you're navigating your own family and your own, you know, marriage situation. So be helpful for you to do that. And then I'd love to have you to come on Sunday and hear the second part of just the way the Bible teaches uh, on our family. So we'd welcome you to join us this Sunday. I'm really pleased uh, to have joining with us here this afternoon, Albert Pasigan. Uh, Albert, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you're an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. right, at uh, GRMC here on island, um, and you've been at Harvest for a couple of years now, isn't that right? Um, maybe just about a year. Okay, so. about a year, a little bit, yeah. a little bit more than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm anxious to hear your story and have you be able to share it. Let's start with this. First of all, uh, what what drew you to your occupation? So. Um, as far as I remember, uh, I've always been drawn to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a grandfather and um, an uncle who was in healthcare. Uh, occupational therapy is something I just figured out along the way. Um, I remember just taking care of my grandfather when he had a stroke, and um, yeah, I saw how PT and OT worked on him, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just followed whatever you know uh people just suggested that i take that as a pre-med but eventually ended up loving it yeah i mean really so many opportunities to care for people which i know is in your dna in the (laughs) way that you're wired and uh you did school your medical school in in the pi right in pennsylvania yes i did yes uh santo tomas university okay or University of Santo Tomas. Okay, and that's in Manila? In Manila, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm anxious for you to share your spiritual s- story, Albert. Um, you grew up in the Philippines, right? Just mm-hmm. kind of walk us through your upbringing and then God's work in your life. I grew up in a Roman Catholic background uh, and went to a Roman Catholic private school. 
but uh, it was a little rough growing up. I was bullied severely, and uh, I ended up not having too many friends, which kind of made me bitter. And uh, moving into college, I I believe I became atheist because out of that rebellion and just finding faults in people. Let me ask yeah. you about that just for a minute. I, mm -hmm. You and I have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you've talked about just really a rejection of God completely, right? Partly because of maybe some of the ways you felt like God allowed people to treat you. H how would you describe kind of what happened there? Yeah, so um, it's funny because there's there are different um, situations where I had one bully who became Christian, and <laughs> he was one of the first people who, to uh, really share it with me, and I just rejected it. Like, I couldn't accept this person as someone teaching me how to live or, you know, to be right. moral. The way uh, that they treated you just doesn't make any sense now. Why would you listen to? Yes. Okay. Um, but, you know, thinking back, I, I don't know if he was saved by then or, or not or, you know, my initial reaction was just out of anger and resentment. So uh, in college then, it's sort of a rejection of God. Yes. Um, I actually tried reading the Bible uh, with blind eyes uh, in retrospect, uh, trying to refute it and even just uh, mock people who believed in it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I just would point out the hypocrisies, and I'd show up to Bible studies that they'd invite me into, and secretly with the intention to uh, mock and to make fun of it. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Not, not only just like a private a rejection out of disappointment, mm -hmm. but actively opposing uh, you know, anything that would have to do with God and anybody that might believe in God. Mm -hmm. How long did that go on and, and how did that feel, you know, kind of that part of life? Well, it was sporadic, I guess, because I was also dealing with my own failures and, you know, struggles in college. It was not entirely, you know, that, that wasn't like my 24-7 uh, thing. Mm -hmm. But I guess it lasted for most of my college life. Uh, I'd say, but you know, like I made it through, um, thinking back, maybe, you know, God was merciful towards me that mm -hmm. he would bless me with education, something I didn't, I didn't deserve, but, and, and while I was still in rebellion against him. How would you view those, those years? I mean, friends, um, were you like, you know, particularly miserable or empty or how, you know, looking back, college is a big time of life. How, how would you view those? Yes, it was pretty empty. So I, I was going to get to that. Like uh. I've, I realized that probably after I was saved, like, or during the time I was being uh, humbled by God. Uh, but, you know, f family was there for me. They were always uh, bearing my, my burdens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, uh, with friends, I, I pretty much had very little, very little. So you graduated from college, mm -hmm. uh, got a job. Tell me what's next. 
Yeah, so uh, I, I had a job in the Philippines. I started out in a hospital there. Uh, that would be probably the first encounters I had with um, Christians. We would, um, you, know, you know, I would feel lived according to what they preach. Um, I'd say they're more mature Christians. Mm -hmm. So that kind of softened me a little bit. But, you know, I was not, I was still living in the world, having, um, you know, impure relationships and, um, yeah, like uh, still, I was still on my own and living for myself. And it was still really dog, dog eat dog for me. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I was out for myself. So what happened then? What, you know, what, what was it that changed for you? Okay, so this is a touchy subject, but yeah, it's yeah. My, my brother, who I loved so much, uh, he got sick. So he had uh, cancer, leukemia, and, you know, that was a bit of a blow How old? Me. How old was he, Albert? He was eight years younger than me, so I think around 21. Okay. Yeah. I had to stop work for a while or just do it part-time take care of him. My, you know, pretty much like my career was on hold. And uh, around that time, I was searching for answers. You know, I, I read the Bible as an unbeliever. And, you know, that, that was a time when I was thinking about it more. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, just because of life and death or yes. just because of so many spiritual questions? What, what life and death, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I never, I, I feel like I've had such a sheltered life that the touch of death has never really um, hit me. Mm -hmm. it never really, I never really felt its uh, urgency mm -hmm. or, or even its, its reality even. Yeah. That's how, like, self-centered I was that, you know, uh, you know, I was in healthcare and people were dying in front of me. Like, I, I was around dying people, but I couldn't really feel it until mm -hmm. my brother mm -hmm. got sick. So, yeah, that's when I started searching for more, uh, I mean, searching for the truth more. Um and yeah, I, I, during my atheist years, I went through a lot of uh, religions, just looking at them, maybe surface level, like Buddhism, uh, Islam, and even just just plain science. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then my my brother getting sick got me really looking for for answers, and uh, there. In the hospital where he was staying, there was a, a church nearby. And this is in the Philippines, right? In the Philippines, yes. Yeah. And it was a Bible-believing uh, and preaching church. So I was going. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it was just the message was always there, but it wasn't really uh, penetrating me. Mm -hmm. it, it was a slow process. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, every Sunday after... I take care of my brother. I I'd, I'd go to that church, and yeah, it was a slow process. But one one night, I just prayed to God, and I used to pray like in in a Catholic way, 
But this time I prayed just asking him to show me the truth. Mm. Just because there's just so much out there, uh, so many people out there claiming they uh, know the truth. So, you know, I just prayed to God, just show me the truth. And I also asked him to heal my brother. Mm-hmm. So, which he did, like after six months, I and many close calls that I thought he was going to die in the in the emergency room. He was his cancer went into remission, and then um, yeah, and then I stuck with going to church, still wondering what the truth is, and it was just um, it was a slow cook, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a year after, and one day I I answered the altar call, mm. and well, it's not really much of an answer, but I just asked the pastor, uh, you know, how do I become a Christian? How do I be, become saved? And he said it to me in simple words that you know I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my soul, and doing that means turning away from my sin acknowledging that I'm a sinner. So I went, you know, I, I went a few sessions asking him, how am I, how am I a sinner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, what's that mean? Yeah. What, what does that mean? Um, you know, I thought I was always good. Yeah, I pretty much went through the whole. <laughs> right, you, you grew up you know, going to church, Catholic school, you know, the whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, with, with Catholic I don't know, doctrine, it's, uh, there are levels of sin, you know, but like, you know, I never really completely grasped that I was such a terrible sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the pastor went through that with me and one day I just accepted it. I said, you know, he, he told me that, uh, right now I'm looking at the Bible with blind eyes, but you need faith. Mm. That's the big step. You need to accept Jesus it's an act of faith, and you'll have to trust that he will reveal himself to you. And so I did. Hmm. Yeah. Just one day, you know, after a long, what would you say, a slow cook? A slow cook. Yeah, maybe <laughs> a year, a year of just going to this church and, uh, you know, listening to uh, sermons. Yeah. Were you uh, sensing uh, the Holy Spirit's, like, conviction in your life, or you just knew this was the next step? Uh Definitely, there was conviction. Okay. Um, the events. Uh, I remember one of the sermons uh, making a, uh, the message was, you know, God is sovereign. And as an atheist, th- that's something new, mm-hmm. you know, like a sovereign God, always in control of everything. And that uh, every moment, everything that's happened, God orchestrated, and so like all the you know the the cancer and uh, me meeting some people, everything like even the the bad relationships I was I was in, the friendships that I've hurt, is it was all just God leading me hmm. into that moment you know moment of humility and submission. So on that day, Albert, I mean, you believe that Jesus came, made you his child, right? You became yes. part of his family. Yes. What kind of changes did that make for you? I went to a retreat 
after that and got baptized. And when I was baptized, all of a sudden, all this um, apologetics, um, preachers and podcasts suddenly became available to me. Hmm. Like, I don't know how. Hmm. Like, um, they were just showing up in on my email, on, on YouTube, and, you know, people were just presenting it to me. And it just, everything just suddenly made sense in a way. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, like, like you, the, the blinders came off, right? The blinders <laughs> like came off. Like you were in darkness before, and all of a sudden it made sense, right? Right. Wow. And I think the, the scripture that I keep going back to that suddenly became alive to me mm. was Ezekiel 36, 26. I don't know the f- when I first read it, but all of a sudden that's that just came alive to me that I will take away the stony heart and yeah. I will put in you a heart of flesh. And it just made sense. You know, like I, I used to have a stony heart. I, I read the Bible with a stony heart and, you know, the, the gospel just bounced off it. It was like staring at me. Like even, even as a Catholic, I always, uh, there was that, gospel truth that was also presented that Jesus died for your sins um, and he he resurrected from the dead Uh, but I never really understood what that meant like I really had the blinders on me and now it's it's been taken off and there's just no turning back Hmm. like so you know I would say I was I'm one of those Christians that you know I, I just Knew there's no turning back. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like yeah, even yeah. today, I cannot go back to that life of just living for myself. It's just miserable. I'm just looking right now. Ezekiel uh, thirty six twenty six says, "A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh." And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. All right. That's, that's exactly it. And it all just made sense. Like uh, um, works-based versus uh, saved by grace. That just all of a sudden just made sense. I still have like uh, – I still feel sometimes the enemy lying to me. Mm. But then I just know that it, this is different. Like yeah. the truth in Jesus is different. Like um, every other thing, every other ideology teaches you to do. But, you know, Jesus says it is done. It is <laughs> finished. So, Amen. Albert, there's a rest of your story, right? To your brother's story, right? Yes. So my brother would be my first disciple. And he was the first person I was really eager um, in sharing my sharing the gospel and my testimony towards, and we had really great conversations. Um, he's really into philosophy, and I'd say you know he's he's even of a more gentle and kind nature than I I ever was, and you know we had this really great these really great uh, discussions, but you know eventually the cancer came back, and. But this pushed him to asking me more. And eventually, um, I was able to really give clear a clear presentation of the gospel 
just because of the urgency of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I just had to be honest that if you're separated from God, it's hell that you're looking forward to. And he just realized that as the truth. Like, you cannot lie to someone who is about to die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, so what do I really need to do? And I just said, you just need to accept Jesus mm-hmm. as Lord and Savior of the soul and believe that he's paid for your sins. And he said, that's it? And then, <laughs> yes, I, I accept Jesus. So he did accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of the soul um, just before he passed away. Mm-hmm. How many years ago was that? I'd say, so it was 2016, six years ago. Yeah, and we've talked through that. I mean, just a really, obviously, very, very difficult time. And how did you handle that spiritually? Well, I just knew that I was thankful, though, that he was saved. Yeah. Which is the most important thing. Um, it was it was hard. Mm. It, uh, definitely, I will miss him. It's, it's, death is not easy. It's mm-hmm. never easy. You're, you're going to think about the things that you wish you never said. And there's also that, you know, that void mm-hmm. that you're going to spend the rest of your life without this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't easy. But then I just um, meditate on it that, you know, um, there's a lot of scripture that's that kind of comforts me saying that it is better to be in a house of mourning than to be in a house of mirth. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty much the gospel is, this is in, in my understanding, it's, it's also um, it's a, brush, a brush with death, life and death. Like it, it exposes you to the reality of death. Yeah. Like you cannot understand the gospel without understanding that, you, you know, without real, realizing that the penalty for sin is death, that uh, there is death because of sin. And the only answer to that is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've said that many times, um, feels like all too often recently in funerals and along with others who are going, kind of passing through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, but, uh, you know, death has a way of sobering us mm. and the reality that this person was just here and now they're gone and what happened to them. Mm. And you're faced with the reality of there has to be something after this life. Mm-hmm. And what is it? And so, yeah, it's better. I mean, that's that verse, right? It's better to go to the house of mourning yeah. than the house of mirth. Because in the house of mourning, we really think about what's important, right? right. In that place, everything becomes clear Mm -hmm. about what our priorities are and what our life is worth and that life is just a vapor and it appears for a little while and vastness away. So, man, we got to be clear about our relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. and we got to invest our lives, you know, in things that matter because it's just going to be here for such a short time. Right. Albert, we're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to do a part two because, uh, you know, God's done, uh, you know, a lot of really cool things in your life after that. I mean, just since that time, God brought you to Guam, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Since 2000, you know, when did you come? 2016. 2016, yeah. 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 Came to Guam and you're involved here at Harvest Mm -hmm. uh, and involved with our young pros Mm -hmm. and 
really thankful for the way that God's using you and the way that you're serving. So we'll do this again, you know, okay. later on. But thanks for being willing to come and share your story and tell us with transparency, you know, some of these things and the and the incredible work that God's done in your life. Really thank you for that. Thank you. And you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to just personally invite you again to services this weekend. We have two of them, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. We have a live stream of the 11 a.m. service. And if you do come during that 11 a.m. service, we also have Korean and Japanese translation available. Where you find the live stream, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, we're completing a two-week series on home improvement, building a home that will last from Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.